Hi there, and thanks for tuning in to the Four-Eyed Radio Network. You're about to listen to another proud presentation brought to you by Revenge Lover Designs. Stand out from the crowd. For more information, visit revengelover.com and mention the podcast for 10% off of your order. Wallop and web snappers. My spider sense is tingling. Anybody else's spider sense tingling? Welcome to Walloping Web Snappers, a Spider-Man podcast where we dive into every Spider-Man cartoon ever made. I'm Derek. And I'm Doug. And is your spider sense tingling? Heck yeah, it is. And I bet it's tingling so much better than yours, like so much stronger and like so much more effective. Ugh, yeah, whatever you say. <laughs> to listen to this show, find us on foureyedradio.com and wherever you get your podcasts. This podcast is brought to you by Revenge Lover Designs, illustration and design that fit your personality. For samples and inquiries, visit Revenge revengelover.com and we'd of course like to take a quick moment to thank our spectacular patrons Bo, Carl, Eric, Katie, Jason and David. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, guess what? What? We're doomed because we've got another episode of Ultimate <laughs> Spider-Man to talk about. Whoa. No, 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 no. Uh, I really honestly I just started talking and realized I didn't actually have like a transition after guess what um so I just figured I'd go dark no yeah it's fine well no, it's great it's great it's here to hate on the show go this is the worst show didn't you hear if our twitter replies or anything to any indication this is the worst show ever created I do think that I don't remember if it's for this one or the one after this but when I was just checking MDB IMDB for something mm-hmm. it was like the the re- the single review was like Disney is ruining Marvel. This is the worst cartoon mm-hmm. ever. Yeah, of course. Of course. And that's all um, we're going to do is just rip it apart in the podcast <laughs> as we always do for everything. Yeah, that's definitely our brand. Um, no, I mean, this is a weird episode. We'll definitely get into one. it because yeah. it's the third episode of the show. Um, and I'm sure folks can guess what doomed is a reference to. Yeah. Um, but it's not it's not all doom and gloom. I think there's mm. still good stuff here. It's just weird that it happens when it does. I think that if the, I my my grand thing, it's not even a grand unified take or whatever. It doesn't need to require the episode discussion. It was just the thing that I thought while I was watching it was like if honestly, if this was a single like just comedy episode of a serious Spider-Man show, yeah. I would probably fucking love it and and think it was like hilarious and amazing. I think just because the whole show is a comedy one and then the third episode is another comedy one, you know, it kind of yeah. almost like lessens the uh, the oomph of it because this one is a lot. I mean, this is as as not serious as the first two episodes were. Those were way more serious than this episode is. Yeah. I feel like this is the first episode of the show that is just like fully just a comedy episode of oh, the yeah. series. I mean, this episode, I understand why it happens when it does because they use it as a way to like continue building team, like right, like like they're still uh-huh. not like unified or whatever. But you could take the general idea of this episode, and we'll get mm-hmm. into why I guess. But like, you can take the general idea of this episode, and you could have plopped it kind of anywhere in the series and made it its own sort of like separate, totally just like bottled thing yeah. and leaned so heavily into the comedy and people like you could have just walked away being like, remember when they did that weird doomed episode, mm-hmm. and it wouldn't have had to connect to anything at all. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's interesting that they do at least try to build it into the uh, sort of like team building arc, yeah. 
and maybe set up something at the end. I actually have no idea. So I don't know. We'll see. Don't remember. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah. Well, let's, let's, let's get into it. There's still some, it. there's some production, fun production stuff to get into, but I want to introduce the episode first. Uh, of course, Ultimate Spider-Man is available on Disney Plus if you want to watch along with us. We are talking about Ultimate Spider-Man Season 1, Episode 3, entitled Doomed. My life was turned upside down when the super spy Nick Fury of S.H.I.E.L.D. told me that if I wanted to be the ultimate amazing me, I would have to school a bunch of new guys. Them. Yeah. I don't know what your problem is, Webs, but if you want to throw down, let's get it over with. Versus. Gentlemen, I was going to send you into the field today, but until you start working together, you're grounded. That's not fair. Shield's most wanted. We bring in someone from this list. Instant respect. Right. Let's make sure it's someone we can handle. Ah! Lady Porcupine. Yawn. Nova, you take that one. Bring some bandages, pal. As if. I'm aiming higher. Like, top of the list? Let's get him. Dr. Doom. Children. Let it be known that the eye of the all-powerful Doom has fallen upon you this day. I have scanned your every strength, every weakness. Cross my path again and suffer unspeakable consequences. The synopsis per IMDb is Spider-Man and his team arrive in Latveria to track down the menacing Dr. Doom. However, things turn for the worst when Dr. Doom tricks the team into taking him aboard the helicarrier. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's not really what the actually happens, but okay. I mean, I guess it technically it's not that is. far off. It's not that far off. There's like, like a, there's like one major detail that's different. <laughs> they did. They did choose to take him on the helicarrier he didn't trick them into doing that though uh, whatever uh, the original there's a discussion to be had there okay the original <laughs> air date was april 8th 2012 um this is when we've got a whole chunk of stuff to talk about before we move on uh because <laughs> this is when we need to talk about man of action <gasps> so the credited writers of this episode is just man of action they're also producers on this show um that's a group of words that sounds weird to see as a rating credit but you know if you were watching television in like the late 2000s watching cartoons i guess specifically in the late 2000s you might have seen these words pop up or even in comics as well uh because they are a writing collective uh they're actually founded in the year 2000 so they've been around longer than i thought and it's just a collection of comic book writers and artists that sort of founded Man of Action Entertainment, and when they work together on projects, they just use the pseudonym Man of Action for all four of them. Um, I'll talk about all four of them separately, but uh, I will say, like, the Man of Action brand has done some pretty big things. The main thing, I think, is they created the Big Hero 6 comics for Marvel. Um, so, you know, the movie Big Hero 6, based on the comics that they originally created, uh, which I actually did not know. I, I oh. had no idea they were involved in that at all. I, 
Oh, them specifically. I was going to say, how many people's minds do you think were just blown at the idea that Big Hero 6 was based on comics? Oh, Even though it yeah. says Marvel at the beginning of that movie. Yeah, I guess. I think. <laughs> I did I did know that. Um, but that yeah. is, yeah, that is true. A lot of, I feel like that, that still to this day goes to other people's heads that that was a Marvel comic. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> um, they also have written a bunch of image comics as well, but I think Big Hero 6 is like, in the comics realm, probably the most well-known universally thing that they've done in the comic, in in comics mm-hmm. um in television i think the thing that they are absolutely the most well known for is creating ben 10 massive um, they did create the original show that spun out into like an entire huge franchise that can still still continues to go to this go on to this day it's it's wild to me sometimes i feel like it's been rebooted like two or three times at this point and in my brain it's always like i thought that show just came out like five years ago or something but like no this is a this is a this is now a long-standing institutional oh, yeah. animated franchise that like for people that are younger than us especially like this is Mm -hmm. like this is a a, just a tentpole franchise for them it's funny because i feel like it accomplished so much in such a shorter period of time Mm -hmm. than other properties you would think of occupying a similar space right like teenage mutant ninja turtles is so much older than ben 10 but Ben 10 has had so many iterations mm-hmm. in such a short period of time that it's like, yeah, of course there will be another Ben 10. Why wouldn't there? Yeah. In the same way that you're like, yeah, of course there will be new Ninja Turtles. Why wouldn't there? Yeah. I watched Ben 10 when it came out too and thought it was a really cool concept. It's great. Um, yeah. And, and I kept up with it, I think, because they did like him older and then they did a sequel to the show to him older. I forget what the names. One was Alien Force, but I don't remember if that was the second or third. I watched like through some of the sequel stuff, but I just kind of fell off of it during one of the two sequel shows. And then it continued to sequelize and reboot over and over again anyway. So I, yeah, yeah I, I'm sure there's like many entry points for that, for that franchise at this point. Um, but that's, you know, that's definitely their biggest thing for sure. Uh, they also created generator Rex, uh, which I know has like done crossovers and stuff with Ben 10. So I think yeah. it's kind of sort of in that same universe. Um, and I didn't realize generator generator Rex was also based on a comic that was based on an image comic called M Rex that a couple of man of action members had worked on. I so. want to say I knew that, but I might be lying. I don't know. Yeah, no idea. It sounds familiar. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they also developed Sonic Prime, and they wrote the story for the X-Men Legends video game. And then uh, I think they weren't producers on it, but they at least wrote for the Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes and Avengers Assembles. Ah. Assembled. Assembled. No, just Avengers Assemble. They just do assemble, <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> it feels weird. I actually think that title should be it. Well, I don't no, know. No, it's perfect. That's like what perfect. he shouts. Yeah, but I thought... No, yo, you're right. I don't know what I'm going with that. Whatever. Let's just move on. So, Man of Action, who are they? Because all four of these writers and artists are, are pretty interesting people on their own right, actually. Are we um, allowed to know? Are they going to come for us for you, you know, spilling the tea on who they are? Yeah, you can go to their website and read their bios, which is where I got some of this information from. Are we allowed to tell people about their website? Oh, my God. <laughs> The website, which is like woefully out of date, I might add. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so they're made up of uh, the first one, Joe Casey. He is known for his Eisner Award nominated cosmic superhero epic Godland. Ooh. And also apparently an acclaimed run on Wildcats and Automatic Kafka. Um, I'm not really familiar with Automatic Kafka, but I'm very fascinated in I whatever know, the hell intrigued. that is. <laughs> um, he's also written a number of Marvel comics, including some issues of Spider-Man, <gasps> but most notably X-Men and Cable. 
Joe Kelly is another one who I uh, I really that he's really of these four. I think he's the one that I knew the best uh, before, like figure finding out he was part of Man of Action because he's perhaps best known for pretty much revitalizing and reinventing Deadpool uh, to be the character we know today. Uh, his run on Deadpool, that's still like my favorite of any Deadpool comics I've ever read. I've, I've never read a Deadpool comic for that for me has ever lived up to them. And a lot of elements in his run were kind of like the elements that ended up in the Deadpool movies, like mm. a lot of, a lot of characters, the themes, I think the way that he balanced like Deadpool as sort of this tragic hero, in addition to like the fun meta comedy stuff, I think he balanced it like perfectly in his books. And I really think the movies kind of took a lot from, from his stuff more than anyone else's. Nice. Yeah. He also wrote the Eisner-nominated urban fairy tale comic I Kill Giants, as well as the screenplay for the 2017 film adaptation. Um, that's something I was familiar with, but it sounds pretty cool. There was I, a I movie? Check it out. Yeah, 2017 just, I guess, came and went. I don't know. I, I huh. had no idea it happened. Um, but I, I, I want to check it out and see how it is, because I yeah. think it got good reviews when I was just kind of doing a cursory search here. So. Huh. Definitely curious. Um, he's also written a number of X-Men, Justice League, and of course, Spider-Man comics. He did write the Grin, Grim Hunt comics that we read for Patreon, and I feel like we didn't really super like that much. Um, <laughs> we weren't so super into it. We weren't no. super into it, so that's a bummer. But, you know, hits and misses. He's also written a lot of, a lot of comics that I do like, so that's fine. <laughs> yeah, you'll have that. You write a bunch of comics. I'll probably like some and not like others. <laughs> yep, that's how it goes. Especially when the you're more you lot. write, the more likely. <laughs> <laughs> now, someone who's not a writer is Duncan Rolu. He is a, the lone like comic artist. I think the other 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 writers have like dabbled in art stuff, but like mm-hmm. he is like solely an artist. Um, is the only one that is like fully an artist of this group. Um, he wrote the graphic novel The Nightmarist, and he's uh, mostly a penciler, inker, and cover artist for comics like X Men, Superman, Venom, and a whole slew. Of Dark Horse comics as well. Ooh, someone new to follow on Instagram. Yeah, um, he's also the hottest one of the bunch. Uh, good, I to <laughs> good to know. Good to know. So the last guy, I left him for last because I kind of fell down a rabbit hole with him because Great. some of the stuff he's worked on is really fascinating. So Stephen T. Siegel, who I cannot not see Steven Seagal, unfortunately, but <laughs> he seems to be like the exact opposite of Steven Seagal in every way. Um, so he's probably best known for the Vertigo graphic novel memoir called It's a Bird, uh, mm-hmm. which is about his experiences for writing for a Superman title. And I think just like what was happening in his head and in his life when he was trying to like tackle this iconic character and like figuring out like how do you, you know, reinvent the character and stuff like that. Um, so I've I've heard of that. I've never read it, but I've always wanted to. I, I, I should check it out at some point now that I've read other seen other stuff that he's produced. Yeah, for sure. He has also written for like Sandman as well as a lot of the same ones I mentioned that the others worked on like X-Men. I think he worked on some other D- DC comics as well. Um, the stuff that's interesting that I wanted to get into with him that's like not really related to like superhero comics. So most recently he co-wrote Get Naked which is a selection of graphic essays about the naked body and like taboos, body shaming and body positivity. Okay. Uh, kind of those topics. Sounds really, really Sounds fascinating. Rad as hell. Yeah. Yeah. And I know he like, he worked with a bunch of like artists and stuff to do it. So that sounds really cool. Um, he also co-founded the speak theater arts theater company in LA. So a few things that they did there, one of the, the biggest things was that he co-wrote with a whole, whole slew of writers. So it wasn't just him. 
but a whole slew of writers as well as him uh, worked on this show called it's sort of colloquially known as NWC. It's a much longer name. And the reason they sort of uh, abbreviate it is because so, okay, it's a, it's this sort of experimental and kind of controversial show that used, and I quote, stand-up comedy, hip-hop, slam poetry, and real-life stories to take on racial slurs, stereotypes, and the concept of race itself. So, like, the full title, I think, is, like, just basically a bunch of censored slurs, which is why they condense yep, it to be NWC. I see that now. <laughs> That's also why it was kind of a controversial show, because it's sort of, like, putting that right up front in your title, like, can be kind of triggering for people. For sure. um, but I think, you know, the point of the show was obviously to sort of like to t- tackle those directly obviously can't speak to how well it does it because i haven't seen it but it sounds like a really interesting experiment at the very least the uh theater company you also worked with also did like apparently a pretty well-known production of the laramie project in epilogue with a celebrity cast and the gay men's chorus of los angeles and he designed the original set and logo for the national tour of the stage production of It Gets Better, um, which I didn't know there was like a stage production of It Gets Better. I, I'm not really sure what that is. Yeah, uh, I don't know quite what that means unless they yeah. just like wrote a play that's in conjunction with what the I'm It guessing. Gets Better project. I, that's what I'm guessing. I mean, I, I didn't do like, I didn't campaign. go like a super deep dive, but when I was just Googling like It Gets Better with this theater stuff, I didn't really find something clear other than just the theater company talking about their production of it. So mm-hmm. I don't know. Um, but either way, like if he's not a queer person himself, which I don't know, he at least seems like an ally because he's worked on a lot of like uh, queer related stuff and like kind of social justice kinds of yeah, productions, sure. which seems very, very cool. And I thought it was worth calling out because, you know, this is like, group of just like white dudes and you know you can never really tell what you're gonna get with that um but at least one of them seems to have his eye on like uh you know societal stuff that i think is really important so i mean it looks like he's been nominated for at least one glad media award there you go (laughs) yeah so cool they seem to think he's all right seems like a cool guy (laughs) (laughs) so that's man of action i mean uh, it's it's interesting to have the sort of writing collective working on this show and they write a lot of episodes and their producers on it. So I think they're pretty big forces on it. Um, I did find some quotes from some interviews with them um, that in some ways I think kind of support what we were positing in the first episode that we did of Ultimate Spider-Man because um, I know a lot of what we were saying was sort of like the show kind of felt like it was like a written by committee kind of thing. It wasn't necessarily like a creative vision. It seemed more like producers were pitching stuff and the writers were sort of brought on to support it. And that's kind of what it sounds like from man of action as well. Mm -hmm. Um, So there's like an interview from 2012 newsarama. Um, uh, Siegel is saying uh, uh, regarding like the whole team situation with Spider-Man, which is obviously a big part of this episode is him dealing with being on a team. Um, Siegel said, it was definitely in place before man of action came aboard uh, as much as we were like, why would you put Spider-Man on a team? Uh, as soon as you see it, you go, Oh, I get this. It gives Spider-Man a cast. That's kind of a family unit. And the personalities are completely out of whack. Much of the way Spider-Man's always reflected the world around him and that youth rebellion spirit. This is just a different way to show that. And that's what this show is all about. Giving you the Spider-Man you love in ways you didn't expect. So it definitely like, it definitely feels like what we were saying where it's just like, 
I think that the producers wanted to spotlight the Marvel universe because the mm-hmm. MCU was a thing and the writers had to go along with it. And I do kind of feel a little bit validated, validated that these writers who were like familiar with the character when they were brought on, their first instinct was also kind of like ours were was just like Spider-Man on a team though. Like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I think the, the showcasing the universe thinks like becomes incredibly apparent after like just after you get outside the pilot like that yeah. two-part pilot is what it is and then like immediately they're like here's the thing from the marvel universe here's the thing from the marvel universe yeah. here's the thing from the-. Yeah. so like it 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 checks out mm-hmm. i think so too um but but yeah there's there's a number of quotes that just are kind of basically saying the same thing about the team situation that they kind mm-hmm. of had to evolve with it and then they just kind of let that be sort of the thrust of their arc for the first season basically sure um was dealing with that aspect of it um i also like another quote that siegel has because he was asked specifically about like the fact that this is like a comedy centric, more like kid centric show. Mm-hmm. Um, and he said, uh, Joe, Joe Casada said early on, and we loved him for this. Let's make a show for kids. Think about Spider-Man. Think about everything you loved when you started reading Spider-Man and finding out about him. And let's put it put that in a way that makes sense for kids right now, uh, which we did. And it turned out that it's a super fun show. That's super different. So I, I just, I feel like that's also important that they were going into it knowing like this is going to be a show for little children. And I think that like a lot of the pushback on this show when it came out, not really surprisingly is like that it does have, you know, jokes for kids in it. And like, I I always think it's sort of important when like, you know, we were joking at the top of this episode about, you know, people nerds on the internet, just like trashing it and saying it was like Disney's destroying Marvel worst show ever. It's like, is it the worst show ever? Or is it just like not targeted at you know 20 30 40 year old men watching it you know well Um, especially when you have like there's there's the the ever ongoing discussion of like this is for kids and adults it's for entire families it's for kids but adults love it too because they put stuff in for adults like anytime that also adults thing isn't explicitly stated nerds on the internet get so mad right yeah where it's like you can't say that you made something for kids without nerds on the internet being like, oh, kids yeah. are smart too. And it's like, no one here said kids were stupid. You're the one who implied it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, right. And, you know, it's it's not like there's, like, you can do, like, I, I, I think it comes off of Spectacular Spider-Man. We said over and over again. And that show, obviously, while it's aimed at kids, I think, like, does a lot of pretty uh, heady stuff in it that, is definitely maybe not aimed for the youngest of young yeah, children. For sure. um, but this show obviously is like, that's, that's also all of that, those things can exist. Yeah. Can all exist. Yeah. <laughs> there are, there are different demographics even within stuff for children. This yeah. is obviously the, so I, I just think it's important to make it clear. Like it's not that like they wrote a show badly and that made it be for dumb little children. It was, they went into it knowing that they were going to aim this towards maybe a younger audience than perhaps the last couple of Spider-Man shows had been. Because if you think about it, the last couple of shows were spectacular Spider-Man. What was the one before that? Uh, the MTV Spider-Man show <laughs> that was absolutely not aimed for children. There hadn't yeah. been a, sh- a show for children, you know, for, for, for a few years really. So like, I, I think it's, you know, I think it's just worth mentioning there. They were obviously doing something very different with, uh, with trying to sort of shift the demographics a little bit younger right yeah and i will i really do believe strongly that like just because something is specifically made with children in mind 
doesn't mean that it's stupid. Like, yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, I feel like a lot of people automatically equate those things, and I don't think that's fair. Like, I don't yeah. think it's fair to one children, but two to the creators. <laughs> sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like we said, there's a lot of there's high pedigree working on this show, so I think exactly. know what they're doing. A lot of the stuff's <laughs> more intentional than I thought. Um, not, that's not to say that I love every joke. I there's a lot of them that I don't like actually, but like you know, it, they're they're aiming for a very particular style and sense of of humor and, and storytelling um and you either vibe with it or you don't so mm-hmm. so anyway that's all the writer stuff out of the way there are other people who worked on this show other than man of action uh this what? episode <laughs> yeah wild right this episode was directed by jeff allen and gary hartle Allen has directed, uh, or he did direct a handful of episodes of this show. Uh, he also directed on Shaggy and Scooby Get a Clue, Avengers Assemble. He also most recently directed eight episodes of the Invincible adaptation, which I think is like the majority of the first season. So I would think, good, yeah, good for him. Um, and he's also been a storyboard or artist on a lot of shows since the late '90s, including most recently the Harley Quinn show. Okay, yeah, yeah. That's not going to be the last time that comes up either. <laughs> hey, which one is Get a Clue? That is the one where it's mostly just that? it's. Before Be Cool Scooby Doo and after What's New Scooby Doo, I think. Okay. I think it's between those two. It did not last very long. That's the one where Scooby and Shaggy have like just like dots for eyes, and it's really just mostly mm. them. Like Fred, Daphne, and Belmar okay. are barely there. I think, I don't think I've watched a single episode of that show. Um, but to my memory, that's the one where they like get like really rich or something. Like they get a bunch oh. of money, I think is the premise for it, and then just kind of do their own thing with their wealth. Huh. Maybe that's um, a premise. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure there's more to it than that. I guess. I don't know. I, I've never heard good or bad things about this show. That show. Honestly, I think I've never it just met anyone went. who's watched it. Yeah. I think it just kind of came and went. <laughs> so the other director on the show, Gary Hartle, he is primarily a penciler and cover artist for Marvel. Um, but he's also done quite a lot in animation, both as a producer, writer, and storyboard artist. So uh, a few things he's done. He directed on Animaniacs, Jackie Chan Adventures, <sighs> uh, which I know you love. And we've done a Patreon commentary oh, yeah. on before. Uh, he also directed pretty much every episode of the 2002 He-Man cartoon. Oh, and he also directed on Avengers Earth's Mightiest Heroes. So, so interesting how often that show comes up as well, considering it's like, I feel like a lot of fans of that show hate the Marvel animated universe. <laughs> uh, and just like with, you know, other things that have come up with this one, every, every show that you feel like is better than this show, people from that show has worked on this show. So it's almost <laughs> like people can create different kinds of things. Yep. <laughs> yep, yep. Weird. Yep. Uh, Hartle's also done a ton of storyboarding on a ton of Marvel and DC animated movies, just like a whole slew of them. He's also done a bunch of Scooby-Doo iterations, including working on the Scoob movie. No. Yep. And he uh, worked on storyboarding on Harley Quinn again. Told you that was going to come up again. And also the spectacular Spider-Man. Huh. 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 (laughs) Interesting. (laughs) Yep. Well, the primary character highlighted here that we didn't already know is Dr. Doom. He is voiced by Maurice LaMarche, who I am kind of shocked we've never talked about. Yeah, weird. That's very shocking, actually. It seems really strange that we've never talked about him. Or if we never talked about him, or if we did, we must have talked about him incidentally with someone else or something. Because I don't know... 
that he's he voiced anything in a Spider-Man cartoon before this. Like no, I tried to find something and I didn't Cuz I mean he's mostly in it. he's mostly in comedy stuff. Like I know he's 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 done non-comedy stuff too, but like I feel like the majority of stuff is in comedy stuff and But I feel so, like he could do anything. Oh, he can. No. He can and he does. <laughs> yeah. It's just it's just I I I'm I'm not surprised that he's never been in a Spider-Man cartoon. Yeah, I guess, I'll play I guess it that that's way. fair. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's actually kind of shocking that they brought him on to voice Dr. Doom. Like I'm not mad about it, but like it's, it's, it is actually a comedy very show. Odd. You could think of so many other characters that he would like just easily walk into. Yeah. Like it's odd that that was the, the choice. Like I'm not mad about it. Cause I love Maurice Lamar. She seems like a yeah. great dude, but Same. it's just odd. <laughs> yeah. If you have no idea who Maurice LaMarche is, yes, you do. He's the voice of Brain from Pinky and the Brain. Uh, He also has provided voices for tons of things. So even if you don't realize you've heard him, you almost certainly have. Um, Things like Tiny Toons Adventures, Batman the Animated Series, The Simpsons. Uh, He was the voice of Toucan Sam for like... 30 years up until like a couple years ago. So if you've ever seen that. a Fruit Loops commercial, that was probably Maurice LaMarche. So I had no idea all over the place. Yeah. This guy, he's also, uh, it's funny cause he voices uh spoiler, a robot in this episode. And he like voices robots in Futurama. Like he's a, uh, he's Calculon <laughs> in that. And it's not, it's not the same voice, but like it is sort of like the dramatic theatrical yeah. voice that he does for Calculon that he also definitely does for Dr. Doom. <laughs> That's really funny. Yeah. I saw I saw when I was looking stuff up that apparently I never watched the show The Critic. That's like the John Lovitz show, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He apparently Maurice LaMarche apparently in one episode voiced like twenty some characters in like one episode. I'm not surprised. Which is just like amazing yeah. <laughs> it's just like a wild amazing thing to do he can do it he's yeah, yeah yeah and he loves doing it i think he's the kind of actor that like if you approach him you know in in a con setting or whatever like he'll just do whatever voices you ask him to yeah like he, he seems to be to genuinely love the job that he has which is great um, yeah, you should. He's very good. I love his, yeah. uh, I mean, it's basically his pinky voice, but like, he's also like top tier Orson Welles or not pinky brain voice. God, the opposite, but he's like a <laughs> top tier Orson Welles impersonator. Yeah. Like if you ever need Orson Welles or an Orson Welles sound alike yeah. in your, in whatever you do, you just get him. He's done it in many things. Yeah. Yeah. Including basically brain. So yeah, yeah, exactly. For a whole series. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And you know what I'll say too about it? I know we have an actual episode to talk about, but I, the whole time I was watching this before I knew it was Maurice LaMarche, Mm -hmm. I, I felt like it's, it sounded a lot like David Warner to me, or at least like someone Mm. doing a David Warner impression. Do you know who I'm talking about? <laughs> I think I do. Yeah, he was he was uh, Ray Shagul in Batman. Okay, yeah. Now I'm, I was like mm-hmm. questioning it, but I was like, I'm pretty sure I know who you're yeah, talking about. Yeah, I mean, he's done like a million things. He yeah, we've talked about him before because he's also I I first learned who he was because he was in the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Secret of the Ooze, right? As like the yeah. professor. Yes, yes, that's yeah. Him. That's like the first thing I knew him from. Well, like knew I knew him from. Yeah, has he have, has he been in a show that you've done before? Uh, we definitely talked about him at some point. I don't remember for what. I don't know, but I don't know. It also, it just, when I was watching it, it was like, I could tell that it wasn't him, but it sounded like him and it sounded like someone kind of doing his affect. He does have a distinct voice. So yeah. Yeah. And Maurice LaMarche is clearly a chameleon when it comes to doing voices. Yeah. If you need, I mean, (laughs) David Warner is dead now, unfortunately. So if you need someone to do David, a David Warner voice, apparently Maurice LaMarche could do it. It sounds like. Yeah. Why not? Anyway, he's great. We're clearly fans. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. 
Love the guy. <laughs> so let's get into this episode. So it opens with Peter already finding friction with having his shield teammates at Midtown High, which is nice because I was saying I really hope that that was a, a, a point of contention. Um, and this friction starts when he discovers Sam hanging out with Harry and MJ at lunch, which I actually think is like kind of perfect because Sam is the sort of like social butterfly get in your business type of character on the team. So him being the one who gets in Peter's shit makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So the lunch scene, I have a bone to pick with this. Okay. So they do a, what I thought at first would be a really fun kind of riff on like the sort of oh, uh, yeah. teen introduction. Like the, the mean cafeteria girl, map. The cafeteria thing, right? The thing they do with Mean Girls where it's like, here's the jocks table. Here's mm-hmm. the art kids. Here's the stoner kids. And the thing that bugs me is that. They do it, but only with two groups. And the the clever twist that this show does is that, like, they name the stereotypical teen cliques as, like, Marvel characters, right? Yeah. So, like, the Silver Surfers are, like, the skaters slash, like, stoners, basically. Right. And, like, the Hulks are the jocks. The jocks, yeah. But then it just stops. He doesn't do any more after that. It's a bummer because it's really clever. I was worried yeah. that your bone was that they were no. doing that. And I was it's, like, no, that's it great. It's great. Yeah. It's why didn't they keep going? It's like even comedy just rule of thirds. You should have had a third one. I don't <laughs> just understand. one more. Because after that, then he's just like, and then there's Peter's table. And I'm like, that's not funny. What are you talking about? And that's not even the, they're not even a group. Like, what's your click? I don't understand. Yeah. It's so annoying. And it's, it's like, a bummer because you know they had to have mapped out more groups. Yeah. Yeah, like, I guess they had to, they cut it for time or something, but then it's just like, one more well, group. Then, right. Then you just <laughs> cut what uh, I'm sure plenty of like worse cutaways in this episode than that. You cut one of those, put another group in. Like, there's so many Marvel characters yeah. that you could riff on for that. I don't know. That, and you that know really that they, you know that they are very cognizant of the rule of three because they employ yeah. it in a very obvious way in this oh, very yeah. episode. They do much. <laughs> I would have liked this rule of three better than how they actually deployed in this episode. Oh, so I'm fine with the one they did, but just do this one. <laughs> like also do this one. Yeah, it's annoying. <laughs> really bug. Really bug me a lot. Yeah, it's really strange. But I, I, I'm with you. I like the idea of explaining them via Marvel character archetypes. I thought that was that was clever. Hmm. So obviously Sam and Peter get into an argument and it kind of gets into this territory of like Peter's boundaries, which we are going to see as a theme throughout probably the series, but at least for the next couple episodes. Um, And while they're arguing openly in the hall, Coulson interrupts them and just throws them in detention. And I was confused because I was like, what have they done to be thrown in detention? (laughs) So I was very glad to find that it was phony detention and it was just an excuse to get all five of them together Mm -hmm. and out of class and into a training exercise. Yeah, which apparently S.H.I.E.L.D. is like, installed trapdoors and futuristic tunnels in the school now. Of course they <laughs> Feels have. Feels very invasive to me. <laughs> it's one thing that'll be interesting, especially in this first season, like, figuring out how much of what they're doing is like the rule of comedy like just like the general rule of like it would be funny versus like what they're actually trying to establish Mm -hmm. as like the universe because sometimes i feel like the line's a little blurry (laughs) absolutely yeah it's entirely possible that they will never get to shield in this way ever right like or but it's also possible that it'll happen many more times yeah it could also be their (laughs) avenue they always have to meet in the detention room to go there it could go either way yeah yeah so I don't know. It's just, yeah, it is, it is wild. Like this, in this, this, it's just thinking too much into it, but it is just so funny. It's just like, God, they really have like just placed their roots in this one high school now, like it invested so much money into just making mm-hmm. this high school connected to, I 
guess a shield base directly underneath it underground somewhere I don't see this is how it has to be impossible right because yeah, it's it not even just underground sense. it's like underwater yeah it doesn't make any sense <laughs> it ha- yeah i feel like it only makes sense as like comedy cartoon yeah, it, logic basically it's a joke yeah it's yeah cartoon logic exactly yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is i mean anytime we get into a new show there's like an adjustment right i feel like this mm-hmm. one is such a curve because it's like we've never had to sit there and decide like what is a joke versus what is actually the universe <laughs> right 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 <laughs> yep <laughs> visual gags baby uh-huh. so okay so like you said they are just sort of like sucked into a helicarrier that happens to be underground they're or underwater they're fully suited up um and fury basically says okay you all are going to train together now that spidey's on board and this will be great because you can train and you can take out your frustration with each other in what i'm going to call the court can't wait to find out if we ever hear reference to the court ever again probably not (laughs) who knows it's i guess their danger room basically basically or an x-men person um so he's like here's an exercise in the court and a bunch of drones fill up the court and spider-man and nova who were already arguing and were arguing like mere minutes ago are like fine i'm gonna do the best here i'm gonna take out the most drones and they just start like smashing drones and remember like one week ago (laughs) when i was like I'm so sure that there was a joke in this episode about smashing drones and the exercise wasn't to smash drones. Here's the joke. Yeah. I didn't make it up. I was just a week early. (laughs) Thinking of you the entire time. Um, I know you're excited to bring that up, but I also need to backtrack for a second because when, uh, when, you know, when Fury's explaining like what the court is, the, the last joke before going to the title sequence is Spidey being like, you should have called, you should have called it the bathroom. Cause I just webbed my shorts and I wanted to scream and die at that. I think their <laughs> title cuts thus far have all been pretty awful. Uh, horrendous <laughs> for so many reasons. I didn't have a title screen. I just wish it wasn't there. Right. It's, po- I mean, it's pointless anyway. It's like two seconds. Also at Spider-Man, you could have just said that at, at the beginning. I don't know. You didn't even got to it. Yeah. But yeah. Oh my God. So, I mean, so bad for so many reasons. <laughs> I don't want to hear this 16 year old child saying that he webbed his shorts, especially, you know, I mean, James Cameron's watching and being like, I knew it, but just, I can't, uh, I, uh, it makes me want to die. Yep. <laughs> yep. I'm with you. Let's die. <laughs> <laughs> All they had to do was get across the room. Mm-hmm. Instead, they're webbing shorts and they're destroying drones. Bad decisions all around. Bad decisions <laughs> all around. So Fury's pissed at this, actually. He was like, well, you know, I was going to send you on a field mission, but since you're all like so careless with it and completely fucking this up and making bad jokes about webbing your shorts, instead, the whole team's going to spend the day cleaning up after Spider-Man and Nova, um, which, you know, pisses off like the other three members of the team who literally did yeah. absolutely nothing. Um, it is pretty rude. Like, come on. Um, it's like a class. It's like such it's a, a classic, classic coach maneuver, though. You know what yeah. I mean? Like two two kids on the team get into a fight, and everyone has to run. Team building by making everyone hate each other yep. equally. Yep. Yeah. If we all hate <laughs> Nick Fury the most, yeah, because he keeps giving us shit to do. Right. Right. Or if we hate these two, then the three of us will be bonded. <laughs> I think it's either here or maybe it's a little earlier. Like they start this this run that I like. I didn't really notice it in the first two, but at least in this one and the next one, like of Iron Fist just saying like just these like really like 
<laughs> kind of they're not bad but they're kind of also lame like just basic uh little like hippie mantras like uh yeah. i forget what it is what is it like the weather has to cool down before the tornado to stop and i like that like luke cage is just like he just says shit like that and like that yeah. is literally like a thing that he does he just says these just like oh look at this you know very this very intellectual quotes but they're all kind of like meaningless and all it is all it means is just like you should be nice like yeah no i'm i'm so glad that they have luke cage say what he does because it clarifies that like okay we're not actually supposed to be taking these things seriously yeah which is great because it means they can just keep doing them and and characters can keep playing off of it until they've really you know killed it yeah if it's a joke then it's funny i like that i don't i don't mind that uh especially because you know iron fist hasn't really had that much to to do in the show so far um so if they kind of at least you know if if they're going to keep him on the back burner a little bit i like his just weird little interjections that really don't do anything or mean anything and it's just like all right, buddy. Sure. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's it's the moment amidst chaos that makes you stop and be like, uh, uh okay. And then you like yeah. cut back to the chaos. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I like that. But yeah, I mean, as they're as everyone's cleaning and they're arguing over er- earning Fury's trust and proving themselves, that gives White Tiger an idea. How about they pick a villain from Shield's most wanted list and bring him in? Nothing can go wrong with that. Not at all. Which is, again, exactly why this premise could have been dropped anywhere. I mean, like the team fucks up. They have a punishment. They have to earn Nick Fury's trust. And they have a very bad idea on how to do it. You know? Yep. I also love that White Tiger's initial suggestion is like so like small and calculated and safe. Like there's something very funny about that, especially because like she's easily like the most disciplined and like mm-hmm. uh like studied of them so like probably the most capable of like doing more than she's expected but is like let's just let's start at square one everyone let's do something little yeah. <laughs> i think that's yeah. very funny i like that moment for her. i will say you know after when we talked about it on the last week's episode like about how they kind of just make her like she's the capable one who tells it off tells off all the boys. Mm-hmm. I feel like they I've really noticed it in this episode. Yes. Like they really double down. Like she even just calls them the boys repeatedly over and over yes. again. Like, oh, those boys, uh, better than those boys are so dumb. And they and it's just like, which again isn't like an issue in and of itself, but it's like force like the one kind of female character other than sometimes Mary Jane gets like two lines, but has nothing to do with the plots at any given time. The fact that it's sort of like your one female character is always just commenting on how dumb boys are and how much smarter she is than the boys. It's just like, you know, I was thinking about, I was thinking about what we were talking about last week when we were talking about this, we were talking about Anya being a similar character, Mm -hmm. even though 2017 does also have Gwen, they Mm -hmm. both kind of somehow fill that role. Um, at times yeah. I was thinking like if there are people out there who like don't necessarily understand what the issue is, oh, yeah. I would present the idea of like teen Titans, like teen Titans, that standard team, like in the cartoon has at least two female characters and often has more than that. Mm-hmm. And all three of those female characters have very distinct personalities. And so when we were sitting there saying like, I was listening back to our episode and I knew what we meant when we were like, it's okay for girls to be stupid. It's funny. Right? Like, Starfire is like exactly that character, right? Like exactly so what true, you're yeah. thinking about where it's like, yes, like sh- like you can have 
totally different, unique, it sounds wild, unique girl characters. Yeah. <laughs> and you don't even have to imagine it. Like, there are plenty of shows that do it. Teen Titans is right there. <laughs> that's a, Yeah, the Teen Titans comparison is a really great way to put it. Because, yeah, I think that's, that's a one reason that show excels is because they're ensemble. Like, every character fills so such a specific distinct. role and so distinct. Yeah, and Starfire and Raven could not be more different characters. Right. And then they introduce Tara, who is, like, very different from those two. Yeah. On top of it. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's such a good point. Like, I just think it's a good thing to look to if, like, you don't necessarily get what we mean when we say, like, you're trying to jam too many characters into one female character because she's the only female character. Well, and also, like, she gets saddled with, like, she's not really allowed to have any flaws, really, at that point. Right, because then you stand the risk of, like, oh, you made your one female character suck. Yeah, yeah, because so so as it stands, I mean, she's she's just like ends up being like way less interesting than she could be. I I think the idea of White Tiger filling the role of like the sort of more seasoned capable one is fine is fine and good yeah, and, same. and and could be handled really well. But it, it's just yeah, I mean, so far that's like all she's able to do. She's not really even allowed to ever be funny. Like, it also gives like <laughs> the entire cast of other characters who are all like the boys on the team. It gives them license to just be idiots all the time, right? Like, yeah. one of the big things in this very episode is that, like, White Tiger doesn't really mess up. And, like, there's nothing inherently wrong with that. She can be capable. Mm-hmm. But it's almost always, like, juxtaposed with the boys being stupid, right? Yeah. Or, like, she's she's the girl who's capable who also did her homework. <laughs> like, it's just, like, yeah, she's also, we get it. <laughs> it's almost like, I mean, it's almost this sort of, like, the kids at home will just be like, well, she's no fun. I want to be, like, the fun boys. Like, I don't want to do my homework. Like, right. it just, it kind of... <laughs> it does a disservice to the character by making her like too good at everything, which is such yeah. a, it does feel like a weird thing to say, but again, it wouldn't be an issue if there were well, just other female characters. Five of your characters show. were doing right. the exact same thing as white tiger. You they know what I mean? Boring. Yeah. The, it would just be a it boring becomes show. easier to see what the problem is, you know? Yeah. Um, and I, I have no doubt. I'm, I hope I don't regret saying this. I have no doubt that white tiger probably has cool stories over the course of a hundred so. episodes. You know what I yeah, mean? I hope so. Um, but when you're introducing the characters and trying to establish their archetypes, it doesn't necessarily serve her well. No, no. She's kind of a wet blanket in this episode, which really <laughs> sucks because she shouldn't be. She could. Yeah. Be. And she's make, not always, yeah. she hasn't been this whole time and she no. will continue to be even just a little yeah. bit. We've seen. Yeah. But th- this definitely isn't her best episode so nah. far <laughs> by a long shot. Nah. Nah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I do like that she picks out Lady Porcupine for her Who, first vision. By the way, is apparently invented for this show and what? never appears. Like, like there is no lady. I don't think someone correct me if it's like a really niche thing. Like, Dumb. I don't think there is a Lady Porcupine anywhere else. Oh, there needs to be like in this show or in any comics or other show. Sounds like a a uh, counter Earth character from Spider Man. Oh my God, does it not though? <laughs> it's like the. The the fifth uh, nights of fifth wait no sixth night of Wonder Gore yeah or wait were there four or five of them there were four no four <laughs> so the fifth night of Wonder Gore Lady Porcupine yeah I would love it. 
but yeah, I mean, obviously, like the joke of it is that like that's the lamest sounding uh, villain, which I disagree. I think that theme that 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 sounds awesome. character sounds fucking badass. But the 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 boys think that it's boring and they yawn at the suggestion. Nova ups the ante to the max and is like, "What about Doctor Doom?" Which is quite a this guy. <laughs> what a leap. I do like the joke that Spider Man's like. I don't really follow the news. I heard Doctor Doom's like an evil king yeah. or something. I don't care. I like that. That's almost like. It's only three episodes in, but it's like become it could be a running gag of him like mentioning these villains and just being like, I actually don't care about their backstory or who they are. Like he did that with Thundra in the first one. Yeah. And, and then Dr. Doom here is just sort of like, whatever, they're a supervillain. You get it. Like, I yeah. don't need to explain their backstory to you. Yeah. I don't care. <laughs> I'd be OK with that. That'd be great, especially when they're not his primary villains. Right. You know? Right. Why would why would he know or deeply yeah. care about who Dr. Doom is? <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so, you know, against his better judgment and fueled by his new rivalry with Nova, Spidey's like, yeah, sure, let's do it. Only just to one-up Nova for his idea and not wanting to let Nova take all <laughs> so the... All the which, again, I appreciate they call it out multiple times. Spidey, I think, at certain points, is just even like, I could be the sensible one and, like, stop yeah. this from happening, but that's not going to happen today because I hate this guy yes. this much. <laughs> they do a good job in this episode of making sure we know that the boys are being stupid. They don't need to rely on White Tiger to do that, but the the episode does do a good job. Like we are not supposed to think that Spider Man is making good choices. He doesn't even think he's making good choices, which I think yeah. allows the episode to just be like silly and funny. Yeah, yeah, because like the way that everyone ends up together on this mission is like that. I, I I appreciate at the very least, even though you know we don't love how they've kind of been writing white tiger in this one. I'm glad that they don't like sell out her character either because she only ends up with them because they kind of just get her tricked into being in the Quinjet. Yeah. Like it's almost just by accident on her part. They she, just lie to her. They're like, yeah. yeah, I guess you're right. And so she's like, okay, well then let's get out of here. And they close the door behind her. Yeah. So she's stuck <laughs> in the ship. Power man and iron fist. They don't really clarify what their motivations are. They're just like, okay, sounds cool, I guess. And are just along for the ride there. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but basically because of Spider-Man and Nova's feud, everyone ends up on this Quinjet on the way to Latveria to abduct Dr. Doom. Great idea. Yeah. Great idea. Just so good. Just such a good idea. <laughs> such a good idea. In fact, that when they arrive, they are immediately attacked by Latverian security drones. They respond with extreme hostility. They just start blasting these uh, <laughs> foreign drones. Yeah, I like the, the like the Doombot. That's like I guess it's not a Doombot. It's Doctor Doctor Doom, the robot that's that like is like three days till retirement before like completely <laughs> getting know. shredded. It's a good joke. <laughs> it's really good. Yeah. I feel so bad for that robot. It's so yeah. close to retirement. Yeah, you know, yeah. never would have had to fight again. It didn't choose to work for, you know, no. Dr. Doom, the tyrant. It's just, it was built for that. What, yeah. else, what else is it going to do? It's- also, could Dr. Doom be that bad of a guy if, you know, the, the robots, robots are retire. looking forward to retirement? I mean, know? maybe they're programmed to look forward to being shut off, which maybe, maybe life is that <laughs> oh, miserable no. for them. <laughs> oh, no. What? Let me imagine a beautiful robot family. <laughs> Just yeah. going home to his husband and three children. Sure. I mean, you know what? We we don't see how this version of Dr. Doom actually runs Latveria. Maybe the country yeah. is doing very well. That's and he's true. actually a very good king. And the only issue is, you know, maybe how he attacks other <laughs> countries or something. Who like knows? That. Spider-Man Who knows? doesn't know. So we don't either. Yeah. So we don't either. We know nothing about any of this. <laughs> also, I mean, like it's the, the robots sort of allude to this and then Doom will sort of allude to this later. But like. 
again, we know that the heroes are making a terrible choice. And so they make little comments here and there about like, we're just a country over here, just being a country and you are not from this country and you are here in our country attacking our country's robots. Um, so So over here causing an international incident, no big deal. Right. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Well, after they destroy a bunch of these uh, soon-to-retire security drones, they ultimately find themselves face-to-face with Dr. Doom himself. And of course, they are quickly overpowered, um, but White Tiger, being ever-studious, suggests, what if we do this cool shield-approved maneuver? I bet you it would work. Um, and just as predictable as it is that she would suggest a well-studied move, <laughs> it is predictable that Spider-Man and Nova will not listen to her and just charge forward um, and uh, take down Doctor Doom. Mm. Wild, interesting, wow. interesting. Ended quickly. Really, it's wild that we've yeah. gotten to the conclusion. So they went to Latveria and they took down Doctor Doom. A little anticlimactic, not as much depth to it as I'd hope there would be, but you know, I, so I easy. It was a, a straightforward A to, a to B plot and we're easy, done. Easy easy task. Uh-huh. So they toss Doom into their hijacked Quinjet and they head back to Shield headquarters. They do. With Doctor Doom, who they took down easily. Yeah, so everything should be good and fine and they arrive and deliver Doom to Nick Fury and you know, they're like okay, well, he should be happy about this, right? So Spider-Man and Nova, they're arguing over who deserves all the credit, and they're like, please shower us with praise, right? But instead, Fury is furious because he immediately sees the problem here because he's like, you just walked Dr. Doom right into the helicarrier. And then Doom himself is like, hmm, also, I'm also not even Doom at all because I'm a Mark Six. Hoberman chassis capable of housing five separate doom bots inside of me. Whoops. So, okay, here's the point of discussion Uh because you said, and I I think I might know where, where your contention with the synopsis is. Yeah. But like you had, you were contending that doom tricked them into taking him back to shield. The synopsis is saying the synopsis right. was saying that Dr. Doom tricks the team into taking him over the helicarrier, but they chose by their own accord to bring who yes. they thought was Dr. Doom onto the helicarrier. He does. Guess- he does. He tricks them by it being a doom bot that can attack them. But like, the trick wasn't to bring him onto the helicarrier. The trick was to bring a doom bot onto the helicarrier. Oh, see, I, I assumed part of the trick was also being defeated very easily when two teenage idiots shouldn't have been able to do that. Oh, I guess that's fair. That's what I assumed the trick was. Where it was yeah. like, oh, I can take advantage of these no, dumbasses guess, that makes and get my way back to shield. I wasn't thinking far back enough, but yeah, no, that makes sense. That was totally part of the trick because he wouldn't, but, have, he wouldn't have been beat that easily. Otherwise, if it wasn't part of yeah. the plan. But it, it, but it wasn't his plan, right? Like he's just taking advantage of a situation yeah. as opposed to like, I'm going to trick some children into yeah. letting me into the United States of America. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, whatever. Okay. The synopsis is fine. Never mind. <laughs> it's also not doom, but Hey, that means the synopsis didn't spoil. Right. Yeah. I, I understand why they do that. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, you know, it was, I feel like it's not a surprise that Dr. Doom tricked them. It's not a surprise that it's actually a Doom bot because that's what Dr. <laughs> Doom be doing all the time. It is a surprise <laughs> that it's like a bunch, it's like a Russian nesting doll of Doom yeah. bots. <laughs> like, what? Did they ever make this toy? Because I would like one. I want one so badly. I love Me it. Me too. It's incredible. Yeah, it's good shit, man. 
And the tiny one is so tiny. It's so tiny. <laughs> just keeps going and going and going until there's one that's like not up to your knee even. That that but like that detail of it feels like Spider-Woman or Spider-Man and Amazing Friends levels of just like absurd of an absurd twist, you know? It's of great. just it's good. Yeah, I like it a lot. And again, like I feel like because you're expecting a level of comedy from this show, when it happens in this one, it doesn't hit as hard as if this had happened on a non on like another Spider-Man show, but I think like at this but even still even on the curve of this show, it still is like so fucking bonkers and ridiculous yeah. and hilarious that it's happening. I think I I wouldn't be surprised if they sense what you're talking about and that's why there's legitimately six of them as opposed to just like a Doombot inside of yeah. a Doombot. Because it's just like it just chaos. keeps going. It's just chaos, and they mine so many little <laughs> jokes. Because like none, none of the fight sequences are like cool at this point. They're all silly and funny because everybody's because fighting. like Power Man is fighting like a twelve inch tall Doombot. Yeah, like I think they have him fighting literally the smallest Doombot, yeah, which is they hilarious. Absolutely that, do. Like, the big, you know, the big tank is fighting the tiny one. Like that shouldn't be how it is, but it's funny that it that's what's yeah. happening. That's yep. that's what's happening. So. Yeah, I, I like it. I think that's a great. That's just a great, <laughs> very funny, genius move for for the sake of comedy. I love. I it. think it was a smart idea. It was yeah. really smart. Yeah. So unsurprisingly, these six Doombots wreak absolute havoc on the Helicarrier. It is just chaos. And even less surprising is that Nova and Spider Man continue to bicker. This time over whose fault. It is that there are Doombots on the Helicarrier as opposed to who deserves credit for bringing Dr. Doom in. Uh, at this point, Power Man is sick of their shit and tells them to get a grip because they're both at fault. And Iron Man, not Iron Man, <laughs> an Iron Fist, ever the wise one, points out that the two of them did kind of just go along with the plan. Like, yeah. Power Man and Iron Man did nothing to try Iron to stop Man. any of this from happening. <laughs> Power Man and Iron Man. <laughs> God damn it. I'm going to do that so many times. It's going to happen. Uh, you know, I thought that I was going to be able to cut that first one out, and now I can't even. No. Sorry. <laughs> I'm going to have to show my know. whole ass on this it's episode fine. and it's fine. as we cover this series. Power Fist and Iron Man, right? No. Power um, Fist and Iron Man. <laughs> Iron Man's Power Fist. No. Power Man and Iron Fist do have this moment, basically, where they're like, yeah, I guess we could have done a little bit more. Um, so again, the show does make it clear that none of the boys on the team yeah. uh, were doing what they should have. It's not like there's a moment where White Tiger gets her like, you know, gets recognized for doing the right thing, or that they ever, any of the four boys ever, are like, "I guess you were right, White Tiger." Like, even in a even <laughs> yeah. in a more nuanced or like well written way, like she just was right and they never acknowledge it because then the show would have to acknowledge that that like the not fun person can still be right i know right they want to have their cake and eat it too they were like they want the 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 boys to like admit you know to help like the kids learn the lesson but they also want them to still be the fun characters white tiger just saddled with just like just oh my god Derek! what she's she's the sitcom wife and all four of them are the sitcom husband that's 100 percent what it is Oh no! <laughs> she has God. four sitcom husbands. I hope they get. I feel so sorry for her. Get out of there, girl. Get, get out. out. Get out. <laughs> you deserve so much better. Oh God! I hope they. Oh, I hope that's. I hope that changes. 
It, I, it has to. It, it has, has to. to. I mean, because they're it not all going to be stupid all the time, no. though. Like, it's, no, this I mean, episode like, they is have different. To have... It's weird because it's the third episode, but this yeah. episode is different. Yeah, and they have to have Power Man and Iron Fist acting a little bit out of character to be willing to go with it, you know? Like, yeah. Power Man normally is also a voice of reason in a different way than White Tiger, but still a voice of reason. At least he has been in the last couple of episodes. And they have to, like, actively not let him be the voice of reason for most of it for any of this to work. So, yeah. like, th- it can't be always like this. This is just... <laughs> <laughs> a, a, a more you know yeah, yeah this this is just a a more cartoony episode than than well, Marvel, and that's fine it also in this moment establishes that power man and iron fist are capable of being annoyed with spider-man and nova right? yeah. like it is not just white tiger who gets fed up with their shit they do too yeah right which yeah. is important and hopefully will carry through mm-hmm yeah, I I'm glad yeah I I think it's around this time that they do the cut to like there's a bit where colson calls nick fury right yes yes um, i only want to bring it up because i mean they make you know colson's barely in this show and which is fine he right. doesn't need to be but um they they just the whole joke is that he's like quote-unquote gone native right like he's like becoming he's like fully into his principal mm-hmm. role and is freaking he, like, out about lost the school's his budget. persona <laughs> yeah he's like lost his persona by and like just fully the principal and freaking out of the school's budget i just want to call out one of the things that he was trying to do to like cut the budget uh was like he mentions like no more doors on boys bathroom stalls what is that uh a thing that happened in my high school while Why? i was there it's absolutely for okay, mine for my number mine, one question is how does that cut a budget the doors are already there are they not for mine it wasn't i think you know they're doing it as a as a joke right because the idea the idea being that like boys only use urinals anyway they're only going to stand up to pee so they don't need the doors which (laughs) is like not true on so many levels right but you know i wouldn't sit down to pee for any reason yeah right that's never of course that would never cross you know anyone's minds then so (laughs) i i I, like that's what the joke is is is, and it's meant to be absurd i think in my high school when we did it or not when we did it when it was done um, I do think that maybe some kids like just rip the doors off just for vandalism sure. sake. I, I wouldn't but I, doubt it. But I think that they, if if they if they didn't um, remove them, they did you know actively not replace the doors mostly because kids were just like doing drugs in the bathroom, which is going to happen in a high school. So the solution, the solution, right, right. The solution <laughs> is just like to remove doors so no one can poop like, or it's That's more, dangerous. or just, you know, more like prison where if you do poop, you're just, everyone's just going to be looking at you. So, you know, cool. Make high school more like prison. That's really going to raise everyone's That's spirits wild. and like stop drug use, whatever. That is wild. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah, huh. so could just could never poop in high school, basically. I mean, is how it was. I'm not going to assume my experience is everyone's experience, but I will say I don't think I ever pooped in high school, like in I, my high school. It was definitely a thing to be avoided, but like sometimes, you know, you can't control that. I wish so. I knew for sure. I really don't yeah. think I ever did. So yeah. there's a fun TMI fact about me. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yep. That's wild. I hate that. I hate that so much. Like uh didn't go to a great high school i will say that's mm. one of many many issues with that school so <laughs> you know public schools unfortunately sometimes are not run very well sadly yeah. <laughs> and so many times that's just because of but the budget issues that colson is dealing with that, yeah um but sometimes they're also just run Dicks. by people who maybe don't have <laughs> the best interests um yep. in mind for the students there 
Anyway. <laughs> anyway, there's no segue from this to White Tiger. So here's White Tiger. <laughs> but I'm, I, I'm glad you brought that up because it comes up later too. And it is very mm-hmm. funny. Mm-hmm. Um, this idea of Coulson uh, going native. <laughs> not, not, not the boys' bathroom doors. Not the boys' bathroom. Just but, Coulson but, freaking out about like yeah. uh, Coulson international like agent with shield uh freaking out over the school budget if they're gonna have him in the show that's a funny thing to do with him because yeah. he doesn't really he, I mean, he doesn't really do anything otherwise so why not just make yeah. him basically comic relief yeah for sure yeah okay let's see here power man <laughs> and iron fist just realized that they were maybe also a little bit at fault but white tiger never was and so there's no moment for her to have right so <laughs> yeah. when they do cut to her and what she's doing she is simply just giving them updates on what is going on. Thanks. <laughs> so she lets them know that one of the Doombots has taken out an engine, which causes the helicarrier to um, careen towards New York City. Um, and Fury shares that another one is attempting to attack the helicarrier's fusion core. Um, so if this, uh, if if the Doombots have their way, they will blow up the entirety of New York City because uh, it's a fusion fusion reactor. Sure, there always has to be. Uh bigger threat right they can't just be fighting robots on a ship it's actually nope. got to potentially blow up the entire city because we're working on marvel movie logic I, for this show <laughs> it, it is the type of thing that gets very tired very quickly yep. i do think for this particular episode being as ridiculous as it is That's if fair. you can try to separate it from the annoying pattern that is how many times can we blow up new york city yeah. i do think it works okay yeah no it's, it's fine it, it, this episode has to escalate just because that's just yeah. how ridiculous it's just so it ridiculous yeah, yeah. We also, so you mentioned a call from Coulson. We also get a call from Mary Jane. She calls Peter and asks if he's with Sam, which of course is very annoying to Peter. She also then asks, why do you even hate Sam so much? And so he hangs up on her and is like, it is not a good time. Why did you answer the phone call, Peter, in the first place? (laughs) Should have just not answered. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Anyway. Three episodes in and he's already hung up on MJ. Yeah. Yep. 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 Well, you know, so to prevent complete disaster, Spider-Man finally switches into team leader mode and, you know, tries to put aside his his beef with Nova to instead utilize each team member's skills, right? So he suggests Nova stabilize the engine to keep the helicarrier airborne while he and the rest of the team fight off the Doombots and work to prevent the destruction of the fusion core. And I like that, like... It's still they're still not even on like good even ground there. Like when Spider-Man goes into leader mode, Nova's still like, you just want to hog all the glory. And Spider-Man's yeah. like, dude, you literally can fly and nobody else can. <laughs> I do so love that moment. Kind of got to be your job. <laughs> it's literally only you like n- <laughs> only you can do this. <laughs> yeah. If anything, you will hog the glory for being right. the one who can fly and lift the helicarrier right. in the air like fucking <laughs> Superman. So like, yeah. calm down, weirdo. <laughs> Um, yeah, so in addition to that, Spidey also consults White Tiger on their location relative to the fusion core. Because she studies. Because she's the smart one and also the one who can fight really well and also the strategic one and also the one who is always right all the time and also the one who knows everything and has no flaws. Um <laughs> I just desperately want them to do better by White Tiger. Well, look, spoiler alert, he's going to ask the other two boys to use their powers, just like he did Nova. He does not ask White Tiger to use her White powers. White Tiger's powers is that she can she read She knows books. stuff. <laughs> she knows blueprints to things. When in fact, she, like like you said, is an incredible fighter, seems to be an incredible like pilot and like operator of all things vehicle. 
probably is wearing a vibranium suit. Like, I don't fucking know. Yeah. Has claws. Claws. <laughs> There's really so cool many claws. things that probably cut through metal. <laughs> like, whatever. No, just use her brain. Hey, White Tiger, where are we? <laughs> where are we? We're right here. Thank you. Okay, anyway, now to the powerful people who are super, fu- the super fun, cool boys who punch things. Right. <laughs> Um, speaking of, so he instructs Iron Fist to punch a shortcut for them through the helicarrier to the fusion chamber, and he directs Power Man to help him save Iron Fist and White Tiger from splatting when they arrive. Yes. There is a cool sort of action-y moment mm-hmm. where yeah. Power Man grabs the two and he webs Power Man. I like I like stuff like that. Anytime you can create sort of like a weird airborne like chain of superpowers situation, I'm into it. Yeah, yeah. This whole fight sequence is cool because I like like, I like them literally, like, punching through the ground and stuff all the way yeah. to the core. It's fucking awesome. And it's worth mentioning, like, this episode is highly comedic, but yeah. they are all having one-on-one fights with a Doombot, and there are several yeah. moments that are cool. Yeah, yeah, for sure. The Doombots move in very fun, cool ways, and this all have, have like, been, unique weapons, kind of. This could not have been an easy episode to animate. Like, this is the oh, kind of no. thing where, when, when I'm, like, watching this and I'm like... They definitely have a higher budget than any Spider-Man show ever has because there's just so much going on. Yeah, like like spectacular Spider-Man could have pulled this off, but it would have been a big feat to do it on that even in that show. And that's with like simplified character designs, specifically to allow them to do more stuff like this. Mm -hmm. Like, can you imagine like the '90s show trying to pull something even like half this complex off? No, are you You kidding me? This yeah. show literally has moments where they cut the screen in four and all four <laughs> screens, there's action happening. It's bananas. And these are not the most simplified character designs either. Like these are sometimes pretty like complex character designs. That they're doing all this movement. The with, Doombots so. are all robots. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's bananas with like, if anything, like even at this show's worst, it always looks like really good. It's, it's, it's really impressive. And it's, I mean, even when I watch it, it, it bums me out sometimes. It's sort of like, why doesn't Disney put all of like the money that they put into this show into like all of their shows? Why doesn't 2017 get to have like the complexity that this show does with this animation yeah. and stuff? Cause it looks so fucking good well, when they're doing it here. And they're allocating things really, really smartly. Like if you really look at their backgrounds, their backgrounds look cool because That's you're true. not meant to look like directly at them they're doing a specific thing that like allows them to create intricate looking backgrounds without having to like meticulously draw details you know yeah um but that's smart i mean that that Mm -hmm. is exactly what you should do if you want to focus on your action in the foreground for sure for sure yeah so it's not even like they're like like they're working well and smart and hard Mm -hmm. like all at once (laughs) yeah yeah for sure it's a well-made show yeah (laughs) So, you know, they do it. Everybody is uh, everybody's working together really well. And having seen how well they can work in sync, the group, including Nova, is able to work together to take out the last Doombot together before it can blast the fusion core. So, this is one of those cool action sequences, by the way. Yes, yes. It is It is the full, like, team has united sequence. Yeah. Everything looks fucking rad. It's a great, it's a great uh, final action climax to all of this. And it was exhausting. They all collapse. They're tired. <laughs> Spider-Man receives another call from Mary Jane where she's just yelling at him like, Peter Parker, do not hang up on me. I need to talk to Sam. I have his homework. <laughs> all she wanted was to give Sam his homework. Yeah. Yeah. It's like she's just trying to be responsible and Peter is just being so rude. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, Nick Fury is like shows up t- despite how triumphant this like this this whole sequence was. 
you know, they still caused all of these problems. Um, Everything and fucked up the helicarrier. Yeah. This, like, this as is... cool as it is that Iron Fist is, like, punching hard, he punches through, like, six stories of this helicarrier. Yeah, he, there's a whole, <laughs> giant gaping hole in every single level of this <laughs> giant floating ship. Um, it's a wonder that it can, like, stay in the sky. So, Seriously. Yeah. So Nick Fury, of course, still rips the team a new asshole, you know. Yeah. As Understandably, they fucked up badly. Yeah, pretty bad. Pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. So I I I kind of referred to Nick Fury as like a coach like figure in this episode. I feel mm-hmm. like we get another like coach team sort of sports movie moment here where like when he's finally done yelling at them, he's like, All right, whoever's responsible for this. I need you to step forward. You're off the team. And so Spider-Man's like, all right, responsibility. That's my that's my thing here. So he says it was him. And as he begins to step forward, the entire team steps forward and also takes responsibility. I like that moment a lot. I think Derek, really they became good. a team. Yeah. I like it too. Like every time it happens in like every property, I'm like, mm, I'm getting the yeah. warm and fuzzies. I think it's good. I think it's done well here. Too. I think Spider-Man has one too many wows when he's saying it to the camera. But other than that, I think, yeah, it's a really good, it's a really good moment. And it's really simple. You know, like you said, like we've seen that kind of thing before. It happens all the time. It's, it's, but it, like, it's one of those tropes that I think like always works because that if you're going to do a team show, like that's what it's kind of all about. Right. Like everybody yeah. doesn't the arc of people not working together and having to learn to work together. And even if they're still like not the bestest of friends, which they definitely aren't by the end of this, like it's clear that they still have each other's back and kind of get each other on that level in a way where they are, you know, willing to stand up for each other. Right. Like it is an all for one kind of thing. And yeah, it's good. I, I like it. I love it. Cause I feel like it almost works best when they are not friends by the end. Right. I like that's so kind too, of yeah. what the impact is. Yeah, it's like, oh, they That's really why he are. Says, wow, eight hundred times. Yeah, it's the importance of the, you know, putting the the importance of of them working as a team above their own personal beefs with each other. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah, so, I dig wow. it. Wow, I mean, wow, wow. <laughs> Two would have sufficed. Yeah, it just kept. It <laughs> Two just gets kept the going. point across. Just kept going. Two is <laughs> enough like... to be like, yes, in fact, I am surprised. Yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> also i lied the rule of three i referred to earlier is next week's episode <laughs> no wait so, i thought it's, this is the jetpack right is this so the jetpack one? Oh, i this guess i don't know where one. okay i just didn't have a note about it i guess it makes sense i wouldn't have a note about it i didn't put a um, note about it because i didn't think it was very funny <laughs> i thought it was funny but it doesn't play into it it's like purely a cutaway joke yeah because yeah, the joke is that he thinks that nick fury will reward him with a jetpack for like leading the team or, or whatever, right? Like yeah. that, every time it comes up, it's either I bet he's gonna give me a jetpack and they cut to Spider-Man on a jetpack saying, woo, flying through the city. And then it like and it comes up again, and then the last time it's just sort of like, I would have rather had the jetpack. Yes. Yeah. I think it works in the most traditional sense because the first time it happens, you're sort of like, oh, huh, that's weird. That's kind of like out of place. The mm-hmm. second time it happens, you're sort of like, oh my God, you're doing it again. And mm-hmm. then the third time, it's sort of like when you've forgotten that they did it. Yeah. And it's like, ah, this thing. I remember this thing. So even if it's not super funny, it works. It, it works. Like it is yeah. like the most straightforward example of, of what that rule is. Yeah. I don't hate it or anything. It's more just like, okay, 
I mean, like, look, I literally <laughs> forgot. Like, I, I remembered that it happened yeah. and then forgot and then couldn't remember what episode it happened in. So it clearly wasn't that big a deal. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. It's totally fine. <laughs> it's not the worst cutaway the show will ever do. That's, yeah. so, that's, that's all right. <laughs> we just are so close to the end of the episode. And I was like, oh, no, panicking. I mentioned a thing that it doesn't happen. And then it got worse because it did happen. Anyway, yeah. the episode is about to end here. Um, and it ends with the team receiving a message from the actual Dr. Doom threatening unspeakable consequences if they ever cross his path again, assuring them that he was observing each of their individual strengths and weaknesses. I don't know if this goes anywhere. I will be very disappointed if it doesn't because it's like a very clear and direct threat. Yeah. And they played up so heavily this idea that like these five idiot teenagers caused an international incident. Yeah. I need it to pay off. I hope so. It better. Yeah, I'll be released. And if, if the next hundred episodes, Dr. Doom never shows up again, that would be very stupid. <laughs> that would be so stupid. I would hate it. <laughs> I'd be yeah. so mad. And I don't even like, I'm not even, I've, I, I've got on the record. Like, I don't need Dr. Doom all over my no, Spider-Man shows. But if you're going to end the episode this way, because yeah, it's the kind it. of thing where like, yes, this episode could happen whenever, but that very last thing is sort of the yeah. like connecting it back to their wider universe, right? Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. by the way, you did just fuck with Dr. Doom, even though he like we made it a joke for the whole episode. You still did do that. Mm-hmm. Yep. 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 Yeah. So it's not really a face. The, oh, there's so many faces. There's fine, so many faces. Glad, there's so many faces. Glad but that you did this for me, though. <laughs> the very first thing that I had to put as the face of the episode is the tiny guys inside of many other tiny guys. It's five increasingly smaller guys culminating in a really genuinely tiny guy. And all of them were in a regular size guy. Truly touched that you got the screen grab. Um, How could I not? It's yeah. like... It's like part of our podcast lore. Arguably the greatest moment of our show and maybe all of Spider cartoon history. Yeah. It's it's so it's funny because I compared this episode to being like, it feels like an episode right out of like, Spider Woman or something. And I mean, well, here's why. Here's why. It's a moment right out of Spider Spider Woman almost exactly. So. How sick would it be? Uh-huh. If you found an interview where they were like, you know, we were just watching like old cartoons and there was this one episode of Spider-Woman that really just like we couldn't stop thinking about. And we thought like, what if Dr. Doom, though? How one, incredible would that be? One thousand percent didn't happen, but I would love it if it did. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, there's no way, but it would be great. Yeah. <laughs> Look how tiny that Doombot is. It's so tiny. So little. So, so little. little. I love it. There's also a very funny moment that relies heavily on focusing on each member of the team's faces. So this is more like just maybe my favorite gag of the episode, but it's faces. And it's like when they realize what they did by bringing Dr. Doom or this Doombot onto the the helicarrier, they cut to every single member of the team's shocked face. And then they like cut to a seagull and then the seagull just flies off. Like, like it's good. More of that. I'm very here for that. It's yeah. stupid and it's absurd and I love it. I like it when it's stupid and then like not commented on. I think right. yeah, I yeah, think yeah. the worst the worst jokes on this show is when they comment on it or like let it go or or keep keep going too long. Like, you know, like the wow, I know the wow thing wasn't a joke, but like throwing on two extra wows cuz just to make sure you got it. Like these types of jokes are good when it just happens and then they move on from it and no one even mentions that it happened. Like that's what makes them funny is the absurdity of it. Yeah. So funny. I laughed yeah. every time I watched this. Yeah. It's a good joke. I like it too. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just a it's just a seagull. It's mm-hmm. not even making a face. 
<laughs> just a true. seagull face. It's not even a shocked seagull. It's no. just like, it's just looking normal. <laughs> so good. <laughs> so good. Yeah. So this is, okay, this is a weird episode. I think we kind of already landed on this, but yeah. like, it's it's weird that it happened third in the sure. series order. Yeah. It's got things going on that are a little bit tired at this point, now that we've seen like 20 some MCU movies, but at this point we'd seen five, six. Sure. And so I think if you just take it as it is and try to remove it from the context, it's very, I think it, it works very well. What, what they're doing. There's yeah. like a couple things they could have done better, like all of white tigers role. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think it's, it's interesting. It's the kind of episode that like, in a different show you might have covered on gimmicks for doing what it's doing. Yeah. Yeah. It only, it only isn't that just because this it, it's a slight ratcheting up from the normal level of absurdity they already have anyway. Yeah. So yeah, it being third is interesting, but I also like, I also feel like it might be them kind of throwing that out there just to establish like, no, this is the kind of show that we can be sometimes mm-hmm. that we are going to be like very early on. Cause you know, the first two episodes, they obviously are comedic, um, but they have definitely like a pretty, they, they, there's some darkness to them. There is like a pretty specific through line throughout them. And this one, there's like not really anything serious yeah. about it at all. Um, like the arc is very, is very like the team comes together, which is like nice, but there's nothing really that deep about that, you know? Yeah. Um, and, and I feel like that, that it, I could also sort of see that being them sort of making their mark right early on. Like the show can be this and it will be this sometimes it's not always like it, it will be this absurd and that that's, and that's just what you're going to have to just going to have to live with, with this show. If you don't like it, get out now. <laughs> and honestly, the as, uh, as I'm thinking about this, it makes sense that they wanted to do the team comes together in this third episode. Right. But if they've already given themselves the license to be absurd, mm-hmm. it would be so weird to do a team comes together episode mm-hmm. with a villain that isn't absurdly powerful because then that's you kind of just have a boring team comes together episode that's like yeah. highly predictable you know yeah so it almost kind sense. of makes perfect sense that they did this <laughs> i think so i think yeah. i'm coming around on the fact that maybe this is like the perfect third episode <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I think, yeah i mean it's it's just it's this is just a weird show i think it's really it is. what it is it just yeah. doesn't follow the standard structure that you would expect from a superhero action show, especially a serialized one. Right. So I think we're probably going to run into stuff more often than not, where it's just like weird that they did this, but okay. Like it's just going to kind of keep happening. It's exciting to me because we've covered so many shows that I think don't all do the same things, but kind of frequently will follow the same rules because they're still superhero shows telling Mm -hmm. Spider-Man stories. And we have Mm -hmm. encountered kind of almost on the last you know, item on our list, this show that is just sort of like, it's in our DNA that we will not follow the rules frequently. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. We mean, it's, you know, we were talking about how kind of, you know, it, uh, it's like a trope to have the team unite story, but we've never seen that in a Spider-Man show before because he's never on a team except for when he was like amazing friends, but they're like barely a team. They're just friends pretty much. Well, and, and they already just started together working perfectly fine. It wasn't like an arc or anything. Right. And it, and the team coming together, you know, it's usually over some sort of fuck up, but this is like massive global fuck up. Like yeah. they said, what if we made it like the biggest fuck up? So right. yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's uh, I think the more, not the more, I think as we continue to encounter episodes like this, I could see myself gaining a really strong appreciation for the permission they gave themselves to break the rules sure. um, in a really calculated way. 
Yeah, I, I think that's totally fair. Look, they talked about it over and over again in all the all the interviews and stuff we referenced is that they wanted to be different. They wanted to be for kids. They wanted to break the mold and they knew that there are other Spider-Man shows, a lot of them that existed and they wanted to do something unique. And like, I think we're seeing what that really means beyond just the initial premise. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. Well, if you want to see what is beyond our initial main feed. Ooh, that was good. <laughs> You can check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash wallopingwebsnappers, where we have over 100 additional episodes of bonus content ranging from very Spider-Man stuff to entirely not Spider-Man stuff. So check that out if uh, that sounds interesting to you. And check out our Discord. There should be a link in the show notes um, where you can talk about this show and any other show that we've talked about or sometimes haven't even talked about yet. It's a pretty cool place to be. Uh, if you would like to find Derek or me elsewhere, you can do that in a number of places. Derek, where can people find you and the things you are working on? Sure. You can find me on Twitter at Derek B. Gale. You can also find my podcast gimmicks, which looks at the high concept experimental structure breaking gimmick episodes of television. Doug plugged it earlier. We could, this maybe could have made it to gimmicks if it was from a different <laughs> show. Um, but, uh, but yeah, there's, there's a uh, new episodes of that are going to be coming actually the week after this episode drops will be the first new episode in a while um so you can find that anywhere you get your podcasts as well as on twitter and instagram at gimmicks pod how about you doug you can find me on twitter at icky bully i-c-k-y-b-o-o-l-e-y you can also listen to me on another four-eyed radio podcast called victory road it's a pokemon podcast and if you like books and video games you can listen to me on novel gaming a podcast i do with my friend katie where we catch up on all the media we've been consuming lately with a focus on books and video games and hey Derek and I did a monthly podcast for like two years called Falling with Style. It was an ongoing Pixar movie marathon. It's technically not over. It's just that we watched all the Pixar movies. We were watching them chronologically, and we have watched them all. So until this summer, um, it is done, which means you've got time to catch up before Elemental comes out. All those episodes, you can find them anywhere you listen to podcasts. We also did an end of marathon retrospective, uh, sort of gathering all our thoughts. You can listen to that anywhere. Uh, one of those places is, in fact, our website at wallopingwebsnappers.com, where you can find a full archive of Falling With Style and a full archive of all of our Spider-Man cartoon episodes um, neatly sorted so you can just listen to the show that you want to or everything. You can follow Walloping Web Snappers on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Walloping Web Pod or email us at Walloping Web Snappers Podcast at gmail.com. Please, of course, rate, review, and subscribe on all podcast platforms because if you like what we're doing, somebody else will too, and they just haven't found us yet. Next week, Venom Attacks, Ooh. but not in the way you might expect, hmm. in an episode titled Venom. Ooh, who'd have thunk it? <laughs> See you then. See you.